Chapter Thirteen of Herb of Grace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Herb of Grace by Rosa Nushet Carey. Chapter Thirteen The Crow's Nest take the little pleasures of life watch the sunsets and the clouds the shadows in the streets and the misty light over our great cities these bring joy by the way and thankfulness to our heavenly father Anne t clow in a certain sense all are historians carlyle perhaps elizabeth's conscience pricked her that night or more probably being rather a casual and careless young woman a gentle hint from diana may have had its effect diana had merely remarked in her quiet way when she was bidding her sister good-night in the red gallery that she feared they were not doing enough for their guests amusement and that she thought they had better ask the vicar to dinner mr herrick is a literary man and they will get on very well together she observed don't you think so betty and as elizabeth did think so and had no objection to the offer diana said that johnson should take a note round the following morning elizabeth felt a twinge of compunction as she closed her bedroom door she was by no means given to introspection but conscience that makes cowards of us all told her that she had not been quite gracious to mr herrick that evening it was too bad of me not to sing to him she said to herself as she recalled his disappointed look i was not so very tired after all it was just a fit of laziness and but here elizabeth checked herself abruptly self-examination is sometimes embarrassing i will try and make up for it to-morrow she thought he is such a good fellow and we owe him so much and she was still in this complacent mood when she came down to breakfast even her outward garb was improved she wore a fresh and extremely becoming morning dress which set off her fine figure to advantage and before malcolm had tasted his coffee or looked at his letters she was challenging him gaily to a game of tennis malcolm was charmed he had no idea that she played tennis but her next proposition rather took off the edge of his enjoyment i know you are a good player mr herrick she remarked coolly but it would be too great an exertion this warm weather for you to beat cedric and me would it not be a good plan turning to her brother for you to go over to the white cottage on your bicycle and ask mr caron to make the fourth we should have a much better game but we decided to ask mr charrington to dinner betty remonstrated her sister then cedric looked disgusted and muttered something under his breath about old dr dryasdus spoiling the fun but elizabeth put him down with a strong hand 
people's notions of fun differ she said severely i am quite sure that the vicar and mr herrick will have many interests in common as for mr carrion with a sudden change of tone he and mr charrington are such good friends that they dine together two or three times a week so there is no objection on that score well cedric with an amused look at his bored expression do you feel equal to the exertion of bicycling over to rotherwood or shall johnson go i suppose i can do the job returned cedric in a grumbling tone you may as well give me the vicarage note too di but diana distressed by her darling's ill-humour followed him out into the hall to explain matters more fully you must not be cross about it dear she said with tender anxiety in her tone you see we are bound to entertain a visitor like mr herrick he is not just an insignificant person cedric's brow cleared he is a clever man and it will be a compliment to ask a distinguished scholar like mr charrington to meet him if the logans had been here we should have invited them cedric felt a little ashamed of himself i dare say you are right he said grudgingly but it will be so precious slow well i'm off look after herrick while i'm gone with a fine assumption of manly dignity but he need not have troubled himself malcolm was not disposed to miss him in the least as for elizabeth her flow of benevolence was not dry yet i hear you tell diana last night that you wanted to look over the crow's nest she observed to malcolm as they rose from the breakfast table if you had no letters to write we might stroll down there now oh my letters will keep he returned with such evident pleasure at the proposition that elizabeth went off in search of her hat not the hat with the battered brim mark you but a charming hat with cream-coloured lace and delicious yellow poppies that seemed to match the dewy freshness of the morning and which would not disgrace the gentleman from london and although she wore no gloves elizabeth always drew the line at gloves her indian silk sunshade was worthy of bond street as the crow's nest was within sight of the gates of the wood house they very soon accomplished the distance it was a homely little place enough and the kestons had described it pretty accurately it was a mere cottage and not a picturesque one either for the architecture left much to be desired but the row of trees that divided it from the road amongst which shone the red berries of the rowans and the trim shady lawn gave it a secluded and pleasant aspect the sitting-room was small but cosy and there was a fair-sized dining-room but malcolm at once took a fancy to a small upper room with a window overlooking the road it had evidently been used as a dressing-room for there was a gentleman's wardrobe in it and a writing-table and easy chair i must coax verity into giving me this room he said half to himself 
but elizabeth heard him verity is that mrs keston she asked what a very original name i do not believe i ever heard it before i dare say not but it just suits her yea verity as her husband calls her then elizabeth looked extremely amused what a droll idea your friends seem rather out of the common mr herrick i am quite impatient to make their acquaintance we have a large circle of friends an inner and outer circle but i am always glad to add to the number i think you will like verity he returned seriously she is such a genuine little soul and so fresh and original oh i am quite sure you will take to her malcolm spoke in such a decided manner as though it were a foregone conclusion that verity would be admitted to the privileged inner circle that elizabeth's curiosity was strongly excited you seem rather certain of the fact she said perversely but as my sister would tell you i am not so easily pleased after all nevertheless you will like verity he returned quickly like attracts like a transparent truthful nature which is absolutely without guile will not fail to appeal to you i already know you well enough to predict that with certainty elizabeth turned this speech off with a laugh but her color rose at the implied compliment if like attracts like as mr herrick said he must think her original and guileless too something in malcolm's tone in the expression of his eyes confirmed this impression and in spite of her stateliness and thirty years the second mrs tumbleton felt a little shy we have not seen the garden-room yet she said hastily and then she led the way downstairs the garden lay on the side of the house and was well kept and full of flowers but the temporary building erected by mr logan rather spoiled the view from the back of the house though a gay flower border surrounded it elizabeth who had procured the key from the servant now opened the door it was rather a bare-looking place as verity had said more of a workshop than a studio though it was used for both purposes and as both of them knew good work had been done but mr logan who had a fine studio in town was content with rather a primitive state of things in his country college it was sufficiently large though part of it was partitioned off as a bedroom the partition for the sake of airiness was only eight or nine feet high and the furniture was of the plainest description a white indian matting covered the floor and there were pink madras curtains at the window as elizabeth pointed out it could not have been closed for months for actually beautiful clusters of roses had not only festooned the casement but had found their way into the room and hung their sweet heads over the sill as though they were trying to reach the floor malcolm declared himself quite enchanted he had never seen any place he liked better there was room for his big bath his tub he called it mentally 
and a comfortable chair or two and when he had concluded these little arrangements to his own satisfaction he joined elizabeth who was making friends with a gray sandy cat who rejoiced in the doubtful name of old tom i'm glad you are so pleased she said in quite an interested tone as they walked down the road again i hardly expected that you would be so easily satisfied cedric calls the crow's nest a wretched little hole oh he is so young miss templeton he is at the age when one has great expectations we learn to moderate and alter our ideas as we grow older don't you remember carmen silva's charming description of youth and age i like it so much elizabeth shook her head i'm afraid i do not read enough she said rather sadly but he looked at her very kindly she is one of the wisest and wittiest of women he returned and she is your namesake too oh yes i know that when i go back to town may i send you her little book thoughts of a queen it is called elizabeth after a moment's hesitation thanked him and said she would be glad to see it it is well worth your perusal he went on too much engrossed by his subject to notice her hesitating manner but i have not given you her definition of youth in youth she remarks one is a medieval castle with hidden nooks secret chambers mysterious galleries trenches and ramparts one becomes afterwards a modern mansion rich morocco leathered elegant stylish and only open to the select and untimely a great hall open to the whole world a market a museum or a cathedral i think i know what she means returned elizabeth thoughtfully youth is so fond of mysteries and all its castles have endless winding galleries that lead to all sorts of curious nooks and corners when we grow older our horizon widens we care more for utility and less for subterranean passages what could be better than a market where one sells one's best and most durable goods pro bono publico malcolm was delighted with the answer miss elizabeth templeton might not be a profound student of books but she was certainly an intelligent and sympathetic woman they had turned into the woodlands by this time and elizabeth who was determined to entertain their guests to the best of her ability proposed that they should stroll down to the pool if you will go on i will just fetch my work she observed and tell diana where we are going and then cedric will join us he ought to have been back by now then malcolm in a good humor sauntered over the rustic bridge and amused himself by looking down on elizabeth's wild garden oh betty what a pity to wear your pretty new hat exclaimed diana looking up from her accounts she was rather a martinet on the subject of dress and had funny little old-fashioned notions of her own but elizabeth who was ten years younger was more up to date 
it was part of the program she returned solemnly and the sunshade too i was determined to make myself as nice as possible remember i trimmed it myself die and as i had the materials it only cost me five shillings here she took it off and looked at it admiringly for elizabeth was fond of dress in her way my sealer hat will do for the pool i wish you could come with us dear then diana shook her head yes i see you are busy so i will not bother you please tell cedric where we have gone malcolm was still on the little bridge when elizabeth rejoined him he looked regretfully at the sailor hat it does not suit her a bit he thought i wonder a sensible woman like miss templeton does not know what becomes her anna would never have made such a mistake but elizabeth unconscious of this criticism of her offending headgear walked on serenely some of the dogs had followed them and while elizabeth worked at a piece of beautiful embroidery malcolm amused himself with throwing sticks into the pond for their delectation and as soon as he was weary of the sport he stretched himself comfortably on the ground beside her and began to talk how it came about neither of them knew but all at once malcolm fell to speaking of his father and of his lonely boyhood and by and by elizabeth grew so interested that she laid down her work and propping her chin on her hand gave him her undivided attention malcolm was very unreserved about his mother she is perfectly unique he said a grand worker with brains and energy that if she had been a man would have qualified her for a legislator she has a gift for organization oh you would admire her immensely you are a worker yourself miss templeton and that would be a bond of union would it she returned quietly i am not quite so sure of that i think your mother would rather look down on my small efforts please do not call me a worker mr herrick i potter about the village two days in the week and teach the children needlework and tell them stories and read to bedridden old women or two but i am afraid on the whole i waste my time dreadfully and here she looked at him with one of her beaming smiles i do so enjoy my life especially in summer the world is so beautiful and one has the birds and flowers and it is just lovely to wake to another new day i wish anna could hear you he returned as he looked a little puzzled at this he explained that his mother had an adopted daughter a dear lovable girl whom he regarded as a sister and when he said this elizabeth's bright eyes glanced at him a little keenly she is your adopted sister she said dubiously is that not rather a difficult relationship mr herrick not at all he returned quickly for somehow this remark did not quite please him anna was so young when she came to us 
i think sometimes that she quite forgets that she is not really my mother's daughter she must be a great comfort to mrs herrick observed elizabeth especially as you are not always with her there was nothing in this speech to offend malcolm's amour propre nevertheless a dull flash mounted to his brow of course i should not have left my mother alone he said so stiffly that elizabeth opened her eyes rather widely but her keen woman's wits soon grasped the situation my dear mr herrick you must not misunderstand me she said quite gently i am quite sure that you are backwards in no filial duty to tell the truth coloring a little i hardly like to show you how thoroughly i comprehended things your home has never been a real home to you and though you love each other dearly you and your mother are really happier apart how can two walk together unless they are agreed thank you for saying this he returned gratefully i am sure you mean what you say most certainly i do i know it i am sure of it you are not one of those people who are afraid to speak the truth forgive me if i seemed put out for a moment but something in your manner made me think that you disapproved of the step i had taken mr herrick i disapprove a mere acquaintance who has not even seen your mother ah it is you who misunderstand now in a reproachful voice even a mere acquaintance dwelling on the word rather pointedly can judge pretty correctly of a man's circumstances i thought you were saying to yourself mr herrick must be a selfish sort of man he is the only son of a widowed mother and he has left her roof because her charitable works bore him to extinction no oh no in a shocked voice how can you say such dreadful things i shall begin to be afraid of you and i have never been afraid of man women or child in my life shall i tell you of what i was really thinking when you turned on me in that crushing manner i was thinking of that poor dear girl and how dull and moped she must be mr herrick rather shyly elizabeth never looked more charming or more irresistible than when she put on this soft appealing manner do you suppose miss sheldon would care to stay with us while you are at the crow's nest we should so like to have her you see her voice softening even more you have done so much for us that we want to make some return and it would be such a pleasure you are very kind he returned and indeed he was so surprised and touched by this unexpected speech that he hardly knew how to express his sense of her thoughtfulness it is good of you to think of it and nothing would have given anna greater pleasure but you mean she has some other engagement this summer yes it is a great pity my mother has taken rooms at whitby for the middle of next month and she never goes anywhere without anna then it cannot be helped 
another time perhaps we shall be more fortunate and then as though she were desirous of changing the subject elizabeth began talking of her own and diana's movements how they never went away in the spring and summer except for a week or so in town for shopping and picture galleries but filled the wood house with relays of guests for the last three years we have gone abroad in the middle of october and returned for christmas and the new year she finished but we have made up our minds to remain in england this year why here comes the truant and it is actually nearly luncheon time cedric flushed and panting flung himself down beside her end of chapter thirteen recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c